Well, praise the Lord, it is good to be here this morning. Let us open up in prayer as we turn our attention to God's Word. Lord, we are so thankful for your faithfulness, Lord. Lord, we are thankful that your faithfulness is not based on man at all. Lord, it is solely based on your character, and you are good, and you are gracious, you are merciful, you are just. Your timing is always perfect. Your provision is always complete. And your presence in our life is always very much needed. So Lord, as we turn our attention to your word this morning, we ask that you allow uh, our hearts and our minds and our souls to be open to the truth of your word. Lord, in your grace, your mercy, and through your spirit, Lord, would you remove from us the distractions that often we carry into our lives so that we can rest. And Lord, that you would quiet and calm our souls. To God be the glory, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. If you would open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, if you're joining with us on campus and you do not have a copy of God's Word, I would encourage you to look underneath the seat in front of you or underneath the seat that you're sitting in. There should be a blue Bible there. I would encourage you to take that Bible, open up to page 617, 617. The verses will be on the screen, but always want to encourage you to, to use your Bible. It's so important uh, to just get familiar with the books of the Bible, and there's something about having the Bible in our hands that is quite powerful. Uh, it's a wonderful morning to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Uh, by God's grace and mercy, we can gather together both on campus and online to worship the Lord, and we're very, very thankful for that. We will continue our sermon series uh, through the book of Ecclesiastes entitled uh, The Search for Meaning, The Search for Meaning. Uh, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, and I'm so thankful for Pastor Jason uh, closing out uh, chapter 2 and giving us a great segue into uh, chapter 3. And I pray that as we study uh, the, this particular book, the, and all books, but really the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, you, you will come to recognize what a tremendous blessing uh, the books of the Bible are and how, an imp how important it is for us uh, as followers of Christ specifically. As we turn to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3, really the, the focus of uh, this chapter is on, specifically this passage, is on the concept, the reality of time. Uh, the word time occurs 30 times in our verses, so it's a very uh, important part. And if you think about life and time, we're, we are consumed with time, right? Uh, just as a way of illustration, again, I'm not advocating that you go and look at these things. I'm just painting a picture of how we are consumed uh, with time. Think about entertainment for just a moment. Think about movies specifically. I mean, one of the, my favorite movies, and still I enjoy watching it today, is, is Back to the Future, right? I mean, how many of y'all remember that movie? All right, Marty McFly, right? Biff Tanner, right? Who wants a DeLorean and a flux capacitor, right? To go back in time. How awesome would that be, right? Uh, I remember a TV show that I would watch oftentimes, uh, Home Improvement with Tim Allen, and one of the things that they would say, what time is it? Tool time. Say it, right? Tool time, right? Uh, but when you think about music, uh, in fact, verses 1 through 8 of chapter 3, uh, there was a song written by the birds in the 60s, turn, 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 right? They didn't probably have the theology exactly right, but it does uh, give a little bit of credence on where they got that song from. Uh, but think about other songs. The Beatles sang about yesterday, right? Uh, Cindy Lauper 
uh, saying about time after time, it was Cher that said, if I could just turn back time, the late, great Otis Redding said what? I'm just sitting on the dock of the bay doing what? Wasting time. Yes, right? Hootie and the Blowfish saying, time, why do you punish me? Right? I used to listen to a group in middle school and high school. It was a metal punk punk rock group called anthrax and it was called got the time i got the time time ticking in my head ticking in my head and that country group alabama said what i'm in a hurry to get things done i rush and rough so life is not fun all i have to do is live and die but i'm in a hurry and don't know why right so this idea of being consumed with time think about sports the legendary coach vince lombardi said i never lost a game i just ran out of time and some of the basketball games yesterday, that is true, right? You think about life. There's parts of life where we want time to slow down, time to speed up. I mean, you just think about just going to the doctor, right? It takes time to get ready. It takes time to sit in traffic. It takes time to go through the checkout process or check-in process. It takes time to sit in the waiting room. It takes time to sit in the examination room. It takes time to run all your tests. It takes time to get the test back. It takes time to come up with a game plan. And sometimes the game plan is what? We're just going to wait some more what? Some more time, right? So this idea of time is all over the place. And so it's not only a consuming thing, but in many ways, it's a frustrating thing, right? The things that were done in the past somehow come back uh, in the present day, right? Bell-bottom jeans, right? They're coming back. They're just called barrel-leg jeans, right? They just re- rebrand them, right? I don't know why, but they're back. I, my wife and I were cleaning out our closet on Friday, and uh, one of the shirts that was in there I've been holding on to, she, you wore this shirt on our first date, Right? I'm keeping it for a special occasion, right? (laughs) But time is something about it that is consuming, it's frustrating, it's elusive. We go to grab it, and it kind of escapes us for the moment. And that's why I think these verses are so important for us, because uh, Solomon is going to, uh, God's word in particular, through Solomon, is going to teach us some things some amazing takeaways for us when it comes to the concept of time. And I'm going to read our verses this morning, and then we'll unpack uh, those three important takeaways. We'll read verses 1 through 15 this morning. The scripture says, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to loose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker for his toil? I have seen the busyness that God, or the business uh, that God has given to children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better than them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Verse 13, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. 
I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken away from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been and that which is to be already has been and God seeks what has been driven away. What an amazing passage of scripture. Uh, And so we're going to look at this. We're going to come away with three important takeaways specifically for us as Christ followers, right? How is it that we are to relate to time in the life that God has given to us. The first takeaway for us this morning is trust God with my time. We are to trust God uh, with our time. And notice the buildup. So there's a buildup in verses one through eight that really give way to the takeaways, right? Uh, And so we begin in verse one, uh, Solomon says, for everything, that word everything's important, right? There's nothing excluded from this, right? For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Under the sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful, extremely personal God, there is no random events. Nothing just happens haphazardly, right? Everything has a divine reason, a divine time period and duration. And why is that? Because God is the Lord of time. Nothing escapes his knowledge, his will, and his purposes, God controls all events, not necessarily causing all events, but he does what? He allows all events. God oversees the rhythms and the seasons of life, not just your life and my life, but all of life. So much so that Solomon begins to unpack this in verse 2. He says in verse 2, he says, a time to be born and a time to die. How many of you determined when you were going to be born? None. Right? Some of us would be rather, rather be born in the summertime or not near Christmas, right? Because everything gets cloudy around that time, right? We didn't, we didn't do that. We didn't, we didn't pick what family we were going to be born into, right? God ordained those things, right? Scripture says a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted. Again, about life. God establishes the season for planting and harvesting, right? Some man a thousand years ago didn't determine that God set that into motion right there was a rhythm behind that the scripture says in verse 3 a time to kill and a time to heal Uh, the word kill here is very important it's not the word for murder right so that's significant but even more so Solomon is not addressing the ethical question of whether war or killing is just or not he's simply saying that in the seasons and rhythms of life there will be a time to kill and a time to heal right that's what he's saying and God oversees all those things the scripture goes on to say a time to break down and a time to build up. And so during wartime, oftentimes things would be destroyed only to be what? Built up again, right? It reminds me of my days at College of Charleston. I was the last class in the old Bishop England High School building downtown, right? The very last class. And while we were in class, they're starting tearing down different portions of the building of the high school only to do what? To rebuild it into what? An amazing library, right? That's what's there at the campus of College of Charleston. Scripture goes on to say in verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Oh, man, what an amazing verse. It reminds me of last year. And one day in the morning, officiated a wedding. A couple hours later, had the privilege and honor to walking with a dear family through the death of a loved one in a funeral, right? You just, you don't know when these seasons are going to happen, right? Verse 5, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones uh, together. During times of war, Stones would often be scattered on fields to to make them useless, unstable, and to hinder the enemy's advancement, right? We see pictures of this in 2 Kings chapter 3. But when the war was over, the stones would be gathered again in order for the land to be repurposed again, right? Goes on to say, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. In other words, a time to say hello and a time to say goodbye, right? And and as a father of three kids, this is one of my go-to verses, right? 
when a young man, a brother wants to come and say, hey, I'd love to date your daughter. I say, listen, there's a time to embrace and there's a time to say goodbye. It's time to go, right? Yep, yep. Pray for me. I'm struggling with that, right? But maybe I help some of the dads out here today, right? Uh, verse 6, there's a time to seek, in other words, to search, but a time to lose. In other words, there's a time to give up. I mean, think about just reality in life. How many times have you misplaced something and you searched and searched and searched and searched and searched for it until you came to the recognition that what? It's time to give up, right? I mean, think about it. How many of us have five of the same screwdrivers in the garage? Why did we buy them? Because we lost one and had to buy another one, right? I mean, I have probably five different bit sets of the same bit set, hundreds of them, but I'm missing the same bit in every box, right? <laughs> That's what happens in life. So there's a time to, to, to give it up, right? It's why we have 14 pairs of scissors in the, in the house, right? Because we keep misplacing them. A uh, time to keep and a time to cast away. In other words, nothing lasts forever, right? We can't hold on to possessions forever. It's okay to have a garage sale, right? How many of us have a hard time letting things go? I mean, I have a t-shirt, a shirt from 20 plus years ago, right? It's not going to a garage sale. Don't worry. I'm going to keep that one. Um, a time to tear and a time to sow. And so oftentimes, specifically in the Old Testament, when there was a time of deep, deep grief, a deep sorrow, one of the things that they would express that morning time of grief and sadness was by tearing their clothes, right? But here's the reality with grief. No matter how deep and hard it is, life still continues, right? And so there's a point where those garments would be sewn back together again in order to be uh, repurposed. Life continues. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. And some of you are thinking, amen, I told you, you talk too much, right? But here's the reality about just talking in general. We hurt others as much by what we leave unsaid than what we actually say. I mean, if you grew up in an environment where all you heard was negative and all the things that you were doing wrong and all the things that you could have done better and none of the words of encouragement and love and support, man, how tough is that? So it's important to know when to speak and when not to speak. I mean, the book of Job is an amazing picture of that with the, the three friends that Job has and the, the time. They, they did a better job uh, consoling and comforting him when they kept their mouth closed, right? Uh, verse 8. A time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. You know, when we get down to the end of the poem, and that's what verses 2 through 8 are, they are a poem, and it's a poem that gives about completion, right? Because uh, there's these pairs, there's uh, this idea of uh, birth and death, and so everything in between, all these things, and we realize that everyone goes through these times and seasons, right? No one is immune to these things, and no matter what we do, we can't avoid it, we cannot stop it. These are the repeated cycles and seasons of life, right? That's important, and that's why Solomon asked the question in verse 9, what gain has the worker from his toil? If man's labors can't change the seasons of life or predict the seasons of life, what is the point? Think about the list of events in those verses, verses eight, uh, 2 through 8. How many of us would prefer seasons of life that were built around laughter and dancing and gaining and getting and peace and love? Every single one of us would. And no matter how much we long and work for that, we experience the reality and the tension that we are also marked by death, disease, destruction, and distractions. Why? Because paradise is lost. Because sin has entered into the world. 
You see, some of our frustrations with time and life is because we're in a season we did not ask for. Is that a true statement? Life reminds us that we have very little control over what season we're in and how long it will last. And we know deep down the seasons of life, we don't know when, we don't know how, but they will change. It's why a mother can nurse her infant baby holding his or her hand and still have a part of her think, no matter what I try to do, I cannot control and absorb the pain that life will bring you. Just can't happen. We know it to be true. Why? Because life in many ways is fragile and short. We can't choose the season we're in, but we certainly can choose how we will respond. And to that, Solomon reminds us that we are to trust God with the time that we have. He says in verses 10 and 11, he says, I have uh, seen the, the business or the burden that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He, speaking of God, has made everything, right? So go back to verses 2 through 8, like, he, he, he's over these things, right? Uh, but he says he's made everything, what? Beautiful in its time. What an amazing phrase, right? Everything is working according to plan, God's plan, right? Also, he, speaking of God, has put, that word put is an amazing word. It means to be gifted. God has gifted eternity into man's heart. This reminds us that we are bound by time, but we're hardwired for what? Eternity. That's the way the Lord has created us. Man has the capacity for eternity to desire it, to long for it, to wrestle with the tension of there has to be more to life than this. No matter how much we try to suppress that, we can't escape it, right? Yet, and then he says this, that though we have uh, been gifted with eternity in our hearts, the scripture says, yet so that he, speaking of man, cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Though we are hardwired for eternity, what? We cannot fully know God's complete divine plan, all the intricacies of it, right? We, we get glimpses of it, but we don't understand all the things about it, how it's all going to work out. But God sees it all, and he knows it all. He knows everything about you, right? That's important. Everything, every season, every time, every joy, every pain, all the hairs on your head, the totality of your life, so much so that when you read about that in Psalm 139, David says this in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is high, I cannot attain it. That's why there's a trust factor, right? This knowledge that God has over every season, the totality of your life, my life, and all life should drive us to what? To trust in him. And that's what Paul reminds us of in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we what? For we walk by faith, that word is a trust word, not by sight. And what a beautiful and powerful reminder to every follower of Christ today. It reminds us that we must not get consumed and fixated on what we cannot know but we are to anchor our lives and our souls to what we know to be true, right? That's important. When it comes to time, what do we know to be true? I mean, think about scripture, just a little bit of scripture. At the right time, God sent forth his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world, right? So that we could be adopted into his family at the right time. And at the right time, Christ died for you and for me. And at the right time, guess what? Jesus is coming again, God's timing is absolutely perfect. 
So whose timing are you trusting in today? That's why you look at Proverbs, like Proverbs 3, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean. In other words, do not put your weight in life on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Faithfully follow him in every season of life. And he will, not he might, but he will make straight your paths. Verse 7, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This is a promise from God that even when life is dark and the Red Sea is before you and Pharaoh's army is coming up behind you, right? God will do what? He promises that he will clear a path. He will make straight your path. And it doesn't mean that he's going to allow you an opportunity to get away from the pain and the struggles and the hard seasons of life. No, he says that I'm going to allow you to walk through those. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to provide for you. Why? Because he is our heavenly father and we can trust him. David says in Psalm 31, verses 14 and 50, but, and that, that word but is a contrast word, and if you go back and read Psalm 31, uh, David is in a place of uh, suffering, affliction, persecution, hardship, all those things. That season of life where it says, abandon the Lord, right? And what does he say? But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are what? My God and my times are in your hand. David believed that his God was personal. Do you believe that today? Again, it, all these things are tied to a relationship and fellowship with the Lord. Lord, you are the God of my every moment, every season, and all my days. That's David's heart. Whatever season or time you find yourself in today, the God of the eternal now has all your days in front of him. Right At the same time, he sees the whole page of your life. He sees the whole picture, and it is what? He says it is beautiful. God's not scared about what you're scared of. He's not afraid about what brings you fear. He's not anxious about what brings us anxiety. Isn't that a beautiful truth? And yet he's so personal in those places where we are afraid. And we are anxious. So much so that he tells us to do what? In 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7, he says that we are to humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt us. Verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So when you're in a place of fear or anxiousness or doubt or discouragement, guess what? The Lord is inviting us to bring those things to him, right? Why? Because he is a personal God. Trust that God will, in the end, make all things beautiful. Do you trust in the Lord with your time today? Second reality or second takeaway we see this morning, specifically as it comes to followers of Christ, it's important that we honor God with our time. Honor God uh, with our time, right? Time is short. Seasons are constantly changing, right? They are unexpected at times, but yet we can honor the Lord through them all, right? He says in verse 12 and 13, he says, I perceived or I know that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toils. And then listen to this phrase. This is God's gift to man, right? God gifts us with life. Life or time is a gift from God. Even in a world where paradise is lost, Seasons are changing. Seasons are hard and unexpected. We are reminded that all of it is a gift under the sovereign and gracious hand of God. And our God is merciful and he is gracious 
and he is good. And when James writes about the goodness of our Lord in the face of temptation, isn't that what happens? When the seasons of life that are unexpected and hard and struggle and all these things, one of the temptations that rises up in our soul is that God is not good. And James says, listen, when that temptation comes, be reminded of the goodness of the Lord. He says in James uh, chapter 1, verse 16 and 18, he says, do not be deceived. In other words, do not wander away from the character of God my beloved brother. So he's talking to the church. And why is it that we should not wander away from the Lord? Because God is good. He says in verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. His goodness does not change, right? It does not matter what your circumstances are, God is still good, right? Verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In other words, God's goodness brings life and that life will never end. And because God's character is true and it is good and is never ending, we can honor the Lord with our time. With what? What did Solomon say? Joy and goodness. That's what he says. So in the seasons of life, the Lord puts before us joy and goodness. Think about joy for just a moment. And that's a tough one because depending on what season of life you're in, it's hard to, to see the joy, is it? But be reminded of what James said in first, uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, or 2 through 4. He says, count. In other words, that's a counting term, uh, a counting term. Like they, then there is a net gain here, right? He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet, and that word meet means unexpectedly, right? Unexpectedly, trials of various kinds. So all kind of trials, right? How is it that we can count, count it joy when we unexpectedly meet all these different trials, all these different seasons? What does the scripture say? For you know, and that word know, again, is a relational term. Again, joy is connected to what? Our relationship and our fellowship with the Lord, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, meaning that it is a fixed direction. And let, that word let is a submission word. Steadfastness have its full effect. In other words, in all seasons of life, the good ones, the hard ones, all those seasons, the short ones, the long ones, let it accomplish what God called it and desires to accomplish that you may be what? Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know, some of the best things in your life come out of the darkest moments. Do you agree? Through the Lord, that's what he can do, right? Jesus says in John 15, 9 through 11, again, this Jesus' final words to his disciples before he goes to the cross, and these are important words, and everything about John 15 is talking about fellowship with the Lord, right? That's important. He says in verse 9 through 11, he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. What kind of love is that? Oh, man, that's amazing love. In every season of life, as the Father has loved the Son, the Son has, has that love for us. He says, abide, again, relational term, abide, hold on to, cling to, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you. I have told you these things. I have gotten your attention on these things that my joy may be in you, and what? And that your joy may be full. Overflowing. 
Keep in mind, what does he say in John 16, In this world, you're going to face many troubles, but take heart, have hope. Why? Because I've overcome the world. So it's not void. These seasons of life are not void of trial and heartbreak and suffering and hurt and persecution. But what does he say? You abide in me. You fellowship in me. The love that the Father has for me is poured into you. And guess what? The joy, my joy in you will overflow. Right? What an amazing promise and truth. He is with us. He will never abandon us in all seasons of life. Because this is true, David says in Psalm 118, 24, this is the, do- the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What a great reminder. To be all in where God has us right now, right? Isn't that important? To be all in in the place and the season where God has us right now. Why? Because the past is gone. The future is yet to come. Pay attention to the present. Don't hope to live one day in the future or be enslaved to the things of the past. Enjoy the present day the Lord has given to you. Celebrate the Lord today. Find your joy in the Lord today. Everything that will happen in your life has already been filtered through the gracious, powerful, merciful hands of the Lord, right? Again, he's allowed it to happen. Time is given by God so that in enduring, we can enjoy, right? Enjoy the simple things of life, right? It's okay to enjoy the simple things of life even when seasons are hard. Second thing he talks about is be a blessing. Solomon says do good, right? In every season of life, we have the opportunity and the capacity to do what? To to be a blessing to others, right? Uh, When Paul writes to the churches in Galatia, he talks about this one thing. Again, this comes through the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. This isn't something that we naturally do on our own, especially when seasons of life are hard. But when the Holy Spirit of God has our heart, has our soul, has our, our submission, right? Guess what? We can be a blessing to others. The scripture says in Galatians 6, 9 through 10, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season at the right time, we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, again, seasons of life, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are in the household of faith. Don't give up, don't go weary, right? We have an opportunity even in hard seasons of life, all seasons of life to do what? To be a blessing to those around us, right? You see, doing good and being a blessing is not so much about a clock on a wall, right? That's not what constrains us, right? It's about the calling that God has on our life, right? God has called us to these things. He has equipped us to these things. Paul says in Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16, look carefully then how you walk, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, doing what? Making the best use of the time, because why? The days are evil. Man, there's so many influences around us, right? And that's why wisdom is so important. This is why we're walking through the book of Ecclesiastes. So that we will capture every moment that we have on this earth for the glory of God and the good of those around us. So what can I learn in this season of life? That's a question. What can you learn in this season of your life? What can you enjoy in this season of your life? And what can you bless others with in this season of your life? Uh, When it comes to time as followers of Christ, it's important for us to trust God, honor God, and lastly, fear God with our time. Fear God with our time. With whatever time we have on this earth and all the seasons of life, we are reminded that God is worthy, right? He is good, he is gracious, and we are to praise, submit, and worship him. Solomon says in verses 14 and 15, he says, I perceived, I know that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him that which is already has been and that which is to be already has been. And God seeks, that means God shepherds, 
what has been driven away. In other words, God has the last word, right? And that's an important statement there at the end because that's what spring loads us into our message uh, in two weeks. You see, God's divine plan is good. It is permanent. It is unchanging. The events of the past, present, and future, they're all bound together, right? They're all working together. This means that when I evaluate and you evaluate the seasons of our life, I am released and you are released from the burden of trying to fix God's plan. I mean, that's huge. Man, when you survey the scripture, we see a God who brings good out of slavery, out of years of wandering and rebellion, disease and death. Why? Because nothing can be added and nothing can be taken away. God shepherds all the seasons of our life for his glory and our good. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes, the Lord secures, the Lord directs his steps. You see, the seasons and rhythms of life remind us that we are not in control, but he is. Man, that is the gut punch that we need to be reminded of, right? He is in control. We're not. He is God. We are not. And one of God's purposes in all the seasons of life is so that we would what? We would fear him. Did you see that there? All these things happened. Why? That we would fear the Lord. To stand in awe of him. In absolute amazement. That the God who knows the past, present, and future bounds all those things together for his glory and our good. When Moses instructs God's people about obeying his commandments, Moses says in Deuteronomy 6, 24, he says, and the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes. And if you look at Deuteronomy 6, it's a powerful, powerful chapter about God's call in the people of God's life that, that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? To have the word of the Lord everywhere we go, right? And he says at the end, towards the end there in verse uh, 24, he says, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God. Why? For our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. So fearing the Lord is what? It is for our good. Standing in awe of the Lord and recognizing that you are not God, but he is. That you are not in control, but he is. That is for your good and it is for my good. In one of the songs of ascent, when God's people would go to the temple, usually in time of celebrating the annual feast, the scripture says in Psalm 128 verse 1, Blessed is everyone who what? Who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You see, fearing the Lord is a way that we can receive and rest in the blessings of God this is one of the reasons why it's important to go before the Lord every day with these words in Psalm 90, verse 12. The scripture says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. What an amazing prayer to pray every day. Lord, teach us to number our days so that we can have a heart of wisdom. Why is it that we often do not stand in awe of God? Because we think we actually control it, right? But we don't. Life reminds us, seasons of life remind us that we simply do not have the control we thought we had. We think we have the power to change, direct, and control the circumstances of life. We have choices. We have a free will. But we can't dictate all the things, right? How many of you scheduled mourning in your life? How many of you scheduled laughter? How many of you scheduled when someone was going to be born or when somebody was going to die or when war was going to break out or when there was going to be a season of love or a season of hate? 
we, we don't have control. It's why we get so frustrated when we go sit down and watch TV and the remote doesn't work, right? Because that little thing says we have control, but guess what? When it don't work, it reminds you that you don't, right? And you got some options. Sometimes we're too lazy to get off the couch, right? That's a reality. We cannot control the circumstances, but we can, through the Holy Spirit, control how we respond. Let the fear of the Lord drive us to prayer and praise. Why? Because the Lord sees the beginning to the end and everything in between. Paul says in this great doxology, this great praise of the Lord in Romans 11, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him, all of that's talking about Jesus. And to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Man, let us learn to live humbly before the Lord in all seasons of life. To submit our lives under the mighty hand of God. Hear the words of David in Psalm 131, verses 1 through 3. He says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. In other words, he's not being arrogant. He's not being puffed up. He says, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But verse 2, so powerful. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And then this is the call that he gives, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth forevermore. What an amazing picture. To see a baby nursing from their mother and just the calmness and the peace that's in that moment that's a reminder to us when it comes to our Heavenly Father. When we think of the seasons of our life, has your soul been calmed and quieted by the power and the provision and the presence of the Lord? You know, interruptions in our schedule and unexpected and often unwanted seasons in life may be the very things that God is graciously allowing into our lives to remind us to trust Him, to honor Him and to fear him. He has placed eternity in our hearts and in his time, he will make everything beautiful. Find your joy in him and through him. Be a blessing to others. Why? Because he is worthy of all of our worship, all of our praise, and all of our submission. As a follower of Christ, follower of Christ are you trusting him with your time? Are you honoring him with your time? Are you fearing the Lord with your time? The season that you're living in today may be painful and unexpected, and it may have lasted longer than you wanted it to last. Or maybe you were in a good season and it didn't last as long as you hoped it would. Man, trust the Lord. Honor the Lord. Fear the Lord. Those three takeaways are hinged on one important thing. 
relationship with the Lord. Without a relationship with the Lord, you're not going to trust, you're not going to honor, and you're not going to fear. But by God's amazing grace, when that relationship is secured in and through Christ, and we enjoy that fellowship through abiding in the Lord, that means there's a time of confession, repentance, and renewed trust in the finished work of Christ. Guess what? We can live lives on, in no matter what season, trusting, honoring, and fearing. Praise be to God. So whatever your decision is today, we'd love to invite you.